Hello, and welcome to International Airport Review's first ever podcast. My name is Tara Nolan, editor of International Airport Review, and your host today. I would like to think you already know of International Airport Review. However, if this is your first time interacting with us, we are the leading source of information for the airport and aviation community, covering passenger experience, airside operations, terminal operations, security, information technology, air traffic control, airport development, construction and design. We have both a printed and digital bi-monthly magazine, which I would hope you subscribe to, and a website containing industry news, opinion pieces, webinars and more, which is updated daily. Digitalisation, as we all know, is affecting airports globally, but it is also changing how we like to digest information. Following recent industry research, it was highlighted to us that podcasts are quickly becoming more popular in the business industries as an easy, convenient and enjoyable way to absorb industry news. So I decided to start an International Airport Review podcast series. Within this series, I endeavour to speak with industry-leading figures about what is affecting their space in the aviation sector, their advice to the rest of the industry and their predictions for the future. Today, joining me for our first ever episode, I have Olivier Janovec, Director General of ACI Europe. Hi, Olivier. Thank you so much for joining me today for International Airport Review's first ever podcast. Can we start off with an overview of your experience in the aviation industry? How did your career path lead you to become Director General of ACI Europe? Uh, well, I mean, it's been, it's been quite a long story. I studied actually as a lawyer working for law firms, but I didn't like it so much and I wanted to go international. That's why I ended up joining the European Commission, uh, where I worked in the aviation sector, specifically on stated cases, the application of competition law and, and market access cases. Uh, it was quite an exciting time because it was 1994, that is just one year after the entry into force of the liberalization packages for aviation that the EU had promoted. So the sector was going through a lot of changes. After six years there, I joined La France in Paris, uh, working for them doing their European affairs. And then I got, got an offer from Alitali and do all their institutional and international relations, uh, which was an offer difficult to resist, not least because of the location. And uh, I ended up working very much on getting through approvals from the European Commission of the different recapitalization and rescue aid that the company needed to survive. And then in the end, um, as Alitalia was not getting better, I was keen to look somewhere else for my next career step and then come ACI. And I thought, well, after having been with uh, the top European regulator, after having been with two airlines, maybe it's not a bad idea to go to the airport side. And I joined ACI then in 2006 and I've been working there ever since. That's amazing. Can you give an insight into what your day-to-day responsibilities are within the role? Well, the day-to-day responsibilities are about basically managing the association, maintaining the the links and the contact with our 500 airport-strong membership, and of course, working a lot closely with all uh, European institutions, European governments, and other international organizations that we need to influence. Of course, it starts on a daily basis with managing the team. We have a team of 27 people, but it's a lot about, in the first place, representing and defend uh, the collective interest of the airport industry with the EU. 
because in the end, about 80% of the regulations that apply to Europe at EU airports, but also at airports in Switzerland, Norway, and Iceland, originate from Brussels. So uh, a big part of the job is uh, influencing and educating those policymakers about the reality of the airport sector, how our business is changing, what it means, and what we need in terms of adequate enforcing regulatory framework. And then there's another side of the challenge is for ATI to act as a center of expertise, all aspects of airport management and development. And we do that mainly through a structure of committees and task force that deal with virtually every aspect of airport management and development. And those committees and task force bring about close to 400 experts from the membership uh, with us. And this is where a lot of the expertise is being developed. A lot of the benchmarks happen. And this is where airports connect with each other. That's amazing. So then in this space and time, what do you see as the main challenge facing civil aviation in Europe? Well, I think it's clear that for civil aviation in Europe, the main challenge today is sustainability and more specifically the climate emergency. I think it's when I look at what has happened over the past year, ever since uh, the IPCC released its report on, on global warming, that was in October last year, it's quite amazing to see how societal pressure has stepped up vis-a-vis aviation. I mean, we're really at the forefront on the debate on climate change, whether we like it or not. And it's also amazing to see how policymakers are acting upon this societal pressure. You may have seen that in her speech to the European Parliament, the new president-elect of the European Commission mentioned actually only two economic sectors apart from big tech, and it was maritime and aviation, and it was in relation to climate change. So I think clearly in, in less than a year, we've gone from being associated to the positives of freedom, personal fulfillment, which is what aviation is about, to being now mainly associated to the negative of being seen as damaging the climate. And this is something we need to respond to. And I think if aviation, you know, not just European aviation, but aviation globally, can rise up to the challenge of the climate emergency, of addressing its own impact on climate change, it's not just going to be our reputation that is going to be threatened. It's going to be our business and social mandate. It's going to be our future growth prospect, our license to not just grow, but to operate. And in turn, of course, uh, our returns and our access to capital, both financial and human. So I think that the stakes are very high. And to me, this is the primary and most important challenge. So how would you advise airports to face that challenge? Well, I think airports can act and should act, in my view, at two levels. There's the individual level. What can they do individually as an airport within their own context? And there, I think it's mainly about being sure that they put sustainability and climate emergency at the core of their business strategy. I think making sure that sustainability and climate emergency are at the core of their corporate strategy. Then, of course, it's also about rethinking the role of the airport locally. Because, of course, I mean, airports, if you look at what they effectively control in terms of their operations and their actual impact on CO2 emissions, it's fairly limited. The, the bulk of the emissions come from third parties acting at the airport and using the airport and the airlines with the aircraft and for all the, the access transport to and from the airport. And I think airports there need to rethink you know, how they can influence how can they drive change? Because I think they're in a unique position to do that. And that's in a way linked to concepts we have tried to develop in, in broader operational terms in relation, you know, to ACDM, to total airport management, which really gives 
the airport's a coordinating role, a leading role to drive change operationally. We need to think how we can replicate this in relation to the environment and, and have the airport acting and incentivizing all its operational partners to move in the same direction. I think what is very important is also action at collective level, at industry level. And this is where organizations like ACI come into play. It's clear to me that this kind of societal and political and ultimately regulatory challenge we will overcoming, we will addressing successfully if we act in a collective way through ACI Europe. And this is what we've been trying to do really at ACI Europe. We started actually on, in relation to the climate 10 years ago when we launched airport carbon accreditation. At the time, we wanted to provide our members with a tool that would allow us to measure their carbon emissions and to work on reducing those emissions. And of course, now we've just come up with an industry commitment to net zero carbon emissions by 2050. And I think that's the kind of collective action that you need to be able to showcase that at industry level, the industry is collectively moving forward. Yeah, definitely. We covered the uh, 194 airports signing that commitment. It was an amazing first step. But then what's the next step in the sustainable strategy? Because that isn't the be all and end all, is it? Airports are going to have to continue considering how they can better their impact. What's ACI's plan in their strategy after that? Our net zero commitment by 2050 is part of a, a wider endeavor, which is the sustainability strategy that we also launched at our annual congress last June. And this strategy rests on three pillars. It is looking at social, economic, and environmental impact. I think it really gives very concrete guidance for airports to start developing their own sustainability strategy. We've based ourselves, of course, on the best practices that exist already in the industry. So we got a lot of feedback and support from our own members. But what was really great is that we brought the best in class to help us develop the strategy. At the same time, that exercise allowed to challenge them and look even beyond what they've been doing. So I think what we have today on the table and what we've delivered is very concrete guidance for airports, including pathways and metrics uh, that allow them to work individually on their own sustainability strategy. Of course, we now need to test the strategy. So we are actually going to run pilots with some airports in the coming months because we also look at this strategy as not being cast in stone. Based on the pilots, we will adapt the strategy and refine the strategy further. What we will need to think, and this will depend very much on the feedback we get from, from airports, from our members, is whether they think that based on this strategy that we've now launched, there is interest and need for airports for us to move towards developing a certification system around. I think this is something we want to give ourselves about a year to look at this. And of course, it will depend whether this is something that our members feel they would gain value in us doing this. But that could be our future action at ACI level. So basically a bit replicating what we've done with airport government accreditation, but for the wider sustainability. Yeah, amazing. I know lots of people think that it's all a little bit too late because the climate crisis we're in has already got so far. Do you believe that we can turn it around and we can start improving things to be able to have a planet for the generations to come? When an industry moves together collectively, you can make a significant difference. I mean, we've been reporting year-on-year reduction to emissions from airports that are quite significant. And clearly, that program has served as a way to collectively engage the industry, uh, but not only to collectively engage, but to actually collectively deliver results. The fact that the UNFCCC has identified airport common accreditation as an example of what other industries should be doing, I think, speaks volume about that.
Now, I think the difficulty in relation to aviation is that, of course, it's not just about airports. It's also about aircraft emissions that are controlled by airlines. Today, there's no easy petition to using a conventional fuel for aviation. I think there are some promising avenues in relation to sustainable aviation fuel, but this is something that needs to be further incentivized. And ultimately, I think we need to push for electric aircraft or hydrogen propulsion. But clearly, this is a challenge. It's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of investment as well. And I think the risk I see is that at the moment, we see politicians and policymakers you know, eager to show that they are acting on climate change. And that tends to lead them to adopt a punitive approach towards aviation. And what we need, actually, is an approach that does not finish aviation, but that ends it in by uh, aviation to make the necessary change. And we're not yet there. So I think over the next years, and especially in the EU, with now this new European Commission starting in October, we are at the start of a new political cycle in Europe, having a critical moment to convince policymakers that the approach towards aviation should be an incentivizing approach. So how important is aviation to Europe's economy? Well, I think, you know, beyond the figures that are that speak for themselves, you know, the fact that aviation in Europe contributes to the employment of 12.3 million people and that it ends up generating about 4.1% of Europe's GDP. I think what is clear is that aviation acts as a force of truth by bringing people together. And I think in the type of, of political environment we're living in today, I think that's something that should not be overlooked. Uh, I think there's both a, a hard and soft power to aviation for society that is very significant. And, and getting back to the economy, I think it's not for nothing that if you look at what developing countries do when they have global ambitions, what they do is put aviation at the very core as a key pillar of their economic development strategy. And I think, to be honest, in Europe, we're in a situation where, for many policymakers or governments, the benefits of aviation in economic and wider societal terms tend to be considered as a given. And they are now overshadowed by the impact, the perceived impact of aviation on climate change. And that puts us, of course, in a difficult situation. There's no substitute to aviation if you want to ensure connectivity and if you want to ensure all the economic and social benefits that come with connectivity. In 15 to 20 years' time, how do you see the aviation industry being different to today? My first response to that is that it's much more difficult to predict the future today than it was 15 or 20 years ago. I think there's a lot of uncertainty linked, of course, to the geopolitical environment, the way in which uh, globalization is changing. A lot of people are talking about globalization being in recess. Globalization is changing in the sense that globalization now is no longer driven by trade. We've seen trade actually becoming very weak, global international trade. But globalization is now being driven by digitalization. And that raised a lot of questions about how this new shape of globalization will impact demand for air connectivity and will impact air connectivity patterns. You know, I'm referring here to the fact that technology and automation will revolutionize labor markets. There's this all this talk about 20 or 30 percent of the jobs that exist today that won't exist in the future. And of course, that raises questions about how this will impact demand levels for air transport. Because if all of a sudden 20 or 30 percent of the people lose their job, ultimately they might not be able, they will probably not be able to afford to fly. 
So I think there's a lot of uncertainty here in terms of how the real, the really unprecedented economic transformation we are going to get through in the next 20 years are going to impact aviation. Then, of course, there's the climate emergency, which I mentioned earlier. Despite the fact that we collectively, the aviation sector, we need to work to address our impact on climate, we know for sure that the climate is going to change. Whatever we do, we won't be able to prevent the climate from changing. And there, too, you know, we need to think of what will be the potential impact on demand for aviation, because if it's maybe not for the next 20 years, but certainly for the next 60 years, if London gets the climate of Barcelona and Athens gets the climate of Dubai, surely the demand patterns for aviation will be very different, especially for leisure traffic. And we know that the bulk of the future demand is going to come from leisure traffic. And then there's the third factor, in my view, which is how technology and digitalization will revolutionize aviation itself. And then this is a more positive issue in terms of prospects for electrification for aviation. Again, I'm looking a bit longer than the next 20 years, but we know that in the next 20 years, the electrification of short-haul aviation could become uh, almost a reality. And that would revolutionize certainly short-haul travel because we know that with uh, electric propulsion, cost of operating the aircraft will go down significantly. And actually, this could be very positive for smaller regional communities who tend to suffer from connectivity losses. If in the future we, we manage to get electric propulsion for short-haul trips at a very low cost, this means that then the demand uh, evolution for smaller regional communities in terms of aviation could be very significant. What I'm saying is that basically uh, the future will no longer be like the past. I think in the way we focus and we look at the future so far in the aviation sector, we've always based ourselves pretty much on what has happened in the past. Looking forward, this won't be possible. It's a really exciting time for the industry. I think we're at a crossroads. We're probably on the verge of a real revolution in aviation, driven by you know external forces. How the geopolitical, the new geopolitical situation we're facing, and the change in globalization will impact demand for air travel. And of course, because of the climate emergency and technological and development for aviation itself. So I think in 20, maybe beyond 20 years, but certainly in 30, 50 years, the face of aviation will be very different from what it is today. I think it will be completely different. So to finish off this podcast, Olivia, I'm going to ask you a controversial question. Do you have a favourite airport? You must have travelled through so many. Does one stand out? Uh, I love them all. Uh, (laughs) What can I say? What can I say? No, I think, you know, what, what, is, uh, what always strikes me is when I go beyond Europe. I think in Europe, we've come up with a business model for airports, the idea of airports being businesses in their own right. That has worked very well for connectivity and for our communities. And that has freed airports from being basically an ancillary business to airlines. I think, you know, governments in Europe have chosen to have airports flying with their own wings, so to speak, and not to use airports anymore as a way to subsidize or cross-subsidize airlines. And I think there's many benefits in that. The first thing, of course, is that uh, governments uh, don't have to pay for airport development because airports can generate the fund themselves. And indeed, we've seen the, the level of privatization in the European airport sector is the highest of all world regions. And at the same time, that has come with significant development in airport infrastructure and significant development in quality. And to me, the fact that Europe's airports are also 
very forward-thinking, not just in terms of quality and facilitation, all the classic aspects of operations, but also in terms, for example, of the climate. I think that speaks volumes of uh, the relevance of that model, of the urban airport business model for society. Yeah, definitely. Oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Olivier. That was, that was really interesting, really insightful. My pleasure. My pleasure, Tara. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, that concludes our first ever episode of International Airport Reviews podcast. Many thanks to Olivier for his time. His insights into how the aviation sector is battling the climate crisis our world faces was fascinating, alongside his predictions into how our industry could look in the future. Please may I remind you that this is the first podcast of a series. Make sure you subscribe to ensure you do not miss the next one. This is available on our website, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Whilst you do so, double-check you are subscribed to receive a free copy of our magazine and join us on our social media channels. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. I look forward to the next one.